0: The following message is distributed by the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org.
1: Amy Long, wave or smile or stand up or something. Yeah, you're, you're not praising the Lord, Amy. You're... Uh... Amy works. Uh, Amy works with her, in our with her urban and intercultural ministries. She's just taken on a new responsibility with that, and I'm not quite sure of her title yet. And <laughs> have they figured out your title yet, Amy? Yeah. What is it? Integration and communication catalyst. It means I it starts. Integration and communication catalyst. <laughs> that fits, Amy. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're a little creative with our job titles sometimes, but. Uh, we're just excited to be able to serve in our national office, to serve our districts and our churches so that they can be what God has called them to be. My wife is here with me today. Uh, Karen, you can wave too. <laughs> uh, my wife of, will be in August 40 years. Can you believe one woman would live with this guy for 40 years? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we do have two children. Two daughters, two son-in-laws, three grandchildren and two that are uh, probably going to be born within the month. Uh, one is a scheduled C-section on Thursday, so we're flying home on Wednesday to take care of the almost four-year-old while we await her brother or sister. We just uh, praise the Lord for the opportunity to minister. And I need to tell you right up front, as soon as I'm finished preaching and give the benediction. I'm going to disappear, along with my wife. Forgive me for that ahead of time, okay? But uh, challenge registration starts at uh, 1 o'clock, I believe. And this is my opportunity once every two years to meet youth workers from across the country. They don't come to the National Leadership Conference and other kinds of events where I normally show up. And so I, I just... Make it a point to be there for that. And uh, uh, so I'm sorry, because I'm a very social guy. My, my wife claims that I close every church, uh, shut off the lights that we um, speak at. Bad habit that you get out of 14 years of pastoring, I guess. But I just want you to know and ask for your forgiveness ahead of time. Along with that, if God has called you to an intercessory ministry... I would love to give you the opportunity to be a part of my prayer team. I don't need folks that give me their names to make themselves feel good or me feel good. You know if God has called you to be one of those intercessors. And right now there are people all across this country praying for me as I speak here. And I would like you to uh, join that if God has called you to that kind of ministry. Since I'm not going to stay around after the service... And you've got email, just send it to president at efca.org that you'd like to be a part of that team and send me your name and your contact information. If uh, that doesn't work for you, Pastor Steve can give you uh, uh, our address at the national office if you don't have e- email access or you're not into that yet. Some in my generation and older aren't quite there yet. Um, but... You will be. My mother got her first computer when she was 70, so there's hope for most people, okay? Uh, this morning I'd like to take you to the text that you saw printed in the bulletin. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3. Boy, the the discussion earlier about the... Uh, A barbecue event and so on just sets this message up so beautifully. So thank you. Great introduction. I sat there thinking, well, maybe he ought to just preach this morning after all. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. His intent. You look back to the previous verse because we always have to look into the context. It's God. His intent was that now through the church would you say that phrase with me through the church through the church okay wake up say it one more time through the church his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord made known that word could be uh, translated put on display for everyone to see particularly the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms and I think of those who are in the heavenly realms the angels and uh, the uh, demonic and so on and in a sense the angels will rejoice The enemies will cringe when the church fulfills its role, and not only will they rejoice or cringe, people will see what God is up to in this world. That's God's plan for the church. The book of Ephesians is a marvelous book, a book where uh, several pictures of the church are laid out. There are all kinds of applications in the book of Ephesians. I've preached through the entire book a couple of times as pastor. I find myself drawn back to Ephesians all the time in this role because I'm called to lead a church movement. We have nearly 1,500 churches now, uh, including those that are existing and fully uh, I never can figure out the right word because we haven't developed the right language yet. But essentially, they are all accepted by their districts between that group and the 190-plus church plants that we have in process. We have about 1,500 churches. And so as the president, I feel the burden of leading that body of believers. On any given Sunday morning, there are about 400,000 evangelical free church folks worshiping but it's all about the church. It's not just about individuals. It's about the church corporate and what are we to be up to. And that's why I love the book of Ephesians because there's several pictures there of what we're to be up to. In this verse, he says, it is his intent that now through the church that he should be made known. Put on display is really the language. What is it that we have the privilege, the opportunity To make known to the people who are around us well if you go back and i don't have time to go back to all the text in chapter one and chapter two but beginning at the end of uh, uh, chapter two and then going on through the first uh, several verses it becomes very clear that what we have the privilege of putting on display is that the body of christ the church is for everybody It's for everybody it is so easy for us to uh uh kind of get in our homogeneous group now if you start doing it at a in a in a big way it sounds like the first event was fabulous that barbecue you're going to have all kinds of people come in this community i know this community the, the ethos is dominated by one particular uh, group, uh, religious group, but there are all kinds of other people here. But as you continue to do that, you will meet people from all kinds of religious backgrounds. More than likely, you will begin to expand your vision as to, and discover there are all kinds of ethnicities in this community, more perhaps than you realize. It's certainly true in almost every community in this country. You will discover that there are people... Who are real people have lots of money and poor people who are real people who don't have hardly anything and they probably live within a not too far driving distance of your congregation and perhaps some of them work in your neighborhood if you've got quiznos uh, you've got people who are not making a whole lot of money those kinds of places don't pay a lot of money if you've got office buildings with companies of 800 people you've got some folks that make a lot of money but the church is for everybody paul in writing to ephesians tells us in ephesians chapter 2 14 and following that when christ went to the cross all the barriers were broken All the ethnic barriers, all the the gender barriers, all the the age barriers, all the social economic barriers, they were all broken. And when we come to the foot of the cross, and we come to Christ, those barriers are all smashed. Smashed. But well, you see, what, what's unfortunate is that we as human beings, and particularly sinful human beings, we find it easy to put up walls. And that's why, as your elder told you this morning, it's important that we become externally focused because we can become so close to the people who are around us we can become one social economic class in a church we can become one ethnicity in a church we can often become one age group in a church we focus on the old or we focus on the young or whatever it is god says it is now his intent that through the church we put on display what he's up to and what we put on display is that the church is for everybody amen few years ago I uh, was visiting a church out in California and I didn't have the opportunity to do it here but uh, often if I'm in a community for uh, you know I can if I can fly in on Saturday I'll uh, I'll spend some time driving this around the perimeter of the church and if there's a McDonald's nearby I'll stop in and have a cup of coffee and just watch people that come and go from the McDonald's and visit a restaurant in the area, right in the community of the church. Because when you, go to the, when you do some driving through and go th- through the parks and go through the community, but particularly McDonald's, you find out who's in the community. Everybody goes to McDonald's. You can find an old beat-up 30-year-old Chevy, 20-year-old Chevy probably, <laughs> or a brand-new Mercedes in the parking lot at McDonald's. I was at this church and I drove through the community and I saw uh, a lot of Latinos playing soccer out in the field. I saw a number of African Americans. I went to a Chinese restaurant and it was filled with Chinese folks. Knew then it was a good Chinese restaurant before I even ordered because uh, the the Chinese were there and uh, hardly saw a white person in that community. I noticed that the age demographic of the community was pretty young. Notice that uh, people in that community didn't didn't live in fancy homes. Well, I got to the church that morning, and there were fancy cars in the parking lot. I looked out over the congregation. It was a middle-aged and older congregation, and it was a sea of white faces, about 1,000 people. And I told them what I had done. Now, you gotta get when you get to know me, you find out I'll do these kinds of irritating things. I told them what I had done. A little over a year ago, our Hispanic director was asked by the pastor to come back to that same church. And the pastor had communicated that one of their emphases was that they were a bridge to people between people and god that was their th- emphasis to be a bridge our hispanic pastor did the same thing that i do he got a, our a hispanic director did the same thing i do he got up that sunday morning and in his message he said to friends you like to see yourself as a bridge as i look out here maybe you're more of a barrier than your bridge that's pretty tough language fortunately he has the kind of personality and the explanation that he could get away with it and today inside of that church is a thriving S- Spanish-speaking church they're ministering to deaf. they're ministering to all kinds of people groups they've woke up and they're beginning to reach their own community rather than just the folks that have always been coming there and that's what God has called us to to find out who's in our neighborhoods and to put on display for the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms and for the people in this world, what God's plan was, that uh, the body of Christ is for everybody. Amen? Uh, That's a pretty weak amen. All right, there we go. Secondly, and we see now that Paul moves into a prayer beginning at verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, boy, there's so much you could mine out of this text, out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith what's secondly that god wants to put on display he wants to put on display that you're fully devoted followers of jesus christ that's your mission statement i saw it in the bulletin that that's what you want to create as fully devoted followers of jesus christ the text says i pray that christ may dwell in your hearts by faith now those of us who are superficial Bible readers would think well he's praying that the people he's talking about would come to Jesus no this is chapter 3 he's talking to the church chapter 3 verse 10 which everything has to be linked back to it is his intent that now through the church he begins verse 14 with for this reason he's talking to the church he's talking to regenerate people he's talking to people who know Christ what's he talking about that Christ would dwell in your heart by faith. That could be translated, that Christ would, because of your faith, feel at home in your heart, that he'd be at home there. Some of us who have done a lot of traveling have stayed a lot of homes. There's some homes that You walk in, and they show you the refrigerator. They show you the bathroom. They give you a tour of the house, and they say, while you're here, it's all yours. You're part of the family. There are other homes where you go in, and you're kept to a small section of the house, and you just don't feel comfortable there. If you know Jesus as your Savior, if you've asked Christ to come into your life is there any place in your life where he's not welcome any place is he welcome to come with you to work and would he be comfortable with the, the language you use the way you treat people the power that you use the way you serve You welcome Jesus into the workplace. Do you welcome Jesus into your family? Some of us can play games real easily, and our families are a mess. And we come to church, and all the kids are all primped. You know, they're looking great, and everybody's marching in line, and everybody says, oh, what a wonderful family that is. And you know that at home it is a mess because Jesus isn't welcome there. How about if you're single? Is Jesus welcome into your relationships? Do you make your dating decisions based on what Jesus would tell you rather than what you see with your eyes or you hear with your ears or you enjoy doing? Is Jesus welcome into all of your social contexts? Is everything you do, could you consciously welcome Jesus into that setting if not he's not at home he's not dwelling in every aspect of your life by faith and you see that's where the inconsistencies come because eventually your lack of integrity eventually the way you live will start to flow to the surface if you're trying to deceive people around you, you think you decei- You think you can deceive God, that will eventually bubble up to the surface and people will see it. They might see it in your relationships at work, at school, at play, wherever it might be in your family. If nothing else, your kids know who you really are. You can't be phony with them. What the world needs to see is people who are real, I don't know if this, this pulpit's probably veneer, but if this, if you took a knife and scratched the top of this pulpit, you'd find out very quickly whether it's just a thin layer or it's solid wood all the way through. That's what we're talking about. When this, the outward appearance of your life is scratched, is it solid, fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? That's what the world wants to see. That's what God wants to see. That's what will bring rejoicing in the heavenlies. It's his intent that now through the church we would put on display what it means to be a a family, a body made up of all people. He wants to put on display what it means to be a family, a body where everyone is a fully devoted follower of jesus christ my friend if you're not it's time to grow it's time to get there if you are it's time to keep growing and move forward with jesus be real be transparent about who with him and with others about who you really are third we see in this prayer that paul prays for us so that christ may dwell in your heart through faith and i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the fullness, the measure of the fullness of God. Thirdly, he wants us to to know what it means to be fully loved by Christ, to be fully loved by God. How wide and long and high and deep Um, I trusted Christ 54 years ago next month at age seven. Okay, you smarties do the math. After 54 years of walking with Jesus, there are many days when I feel like I'm just beginning to scratch the surface of what it means that he loves me. He does. I believe I understand it at a deeper level now than I did 10 years and 20 years ago. But only when I step across into heaven will I fully know what it means. I can understand it a bit intellectually. I experience it. But as we're in his word we spend time with him we spend time with people who love jesus we begin to see the depths of this thing called the love of god but he doesn't want us to know it intellectually and to just sense it he wants us to know it experientially in the sense that we give it away just like he did that we give it away to people, even to people that maybe are tough to love. I am so excited about what's going on in the Evangelical Free Church of America because people are crossing boundaries, people are caring. I could tell you story after story like the 12,000-some volunteers that have already gone to New Orleans and they keep going on a steady pace since Katrina. Why? Because they love people and they love God. About uh, uh, churches that are going out into their community and finding people in great need. That's that perceived need, so you get to the real need thing. It's just so exciting. I was talking to a pastor from California recently on the phone, and he was asking me what my perception of the, the, the needs were in Iowa because, you know, right now, Iowa has got all these floods that are going on. A number of our churches have been devastated by the floods. One church that's about 1,700 people, they, they had four feet of water in the building, and they don't believe they'll ever be able to go back to that property. Just all kinds of stuff happening this pastor from california said bill who can i contact we're ready to send work teams to iowa and i said well that's fantastic he said we're still analyzing what can be what's going to be done and i said why are you so motivated to do this because he said a year ago we had fires in california and the people were out here just like that and most of them were from iowa in our community he said we had christian firefighters come from iowa and, and protect our homes in our church and protect the communities that we live in. And our community just loves people from I- Iowa, not only our church, but the rest of the community. And they gave our church such a good name. We're ready to go, Bill. And I said, amen, that's fabulous. That's the love of God being experienced and being shared with other people. Only eternity will tell how many people have come through, to Christ through the hard work and labor and pain of, and, and, and sacrificial giving of life, their lives to the people in New Orleans, many of whom to this day are still not back in their homes, even if their homes are rebuildable. Praise God. The stories are unbelievable. Who is it that God has called you to move out into their lives and to love them because God first loved you and to put on display what it means to be His church, His people. And the final point, I already read it at the end of that prayer. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Interesting phrase, that we can be filled to the a measure or the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, what in the world does that mean? When I first struggled with this uh, uh, some years ago, I was drawn to John chapter one. Verse 14, very familiar verse to most of us. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son. Of course, it's talking about Jesus. Who came from the Father. The Son came from the Father. Full of grace and truth. And I asked myself the question, and I believe I validated the answer the fullness of God is that God is at, at the same time a gracious God. He gives grace away. He gives to us that which we don't deserve. And at the same time, He's a totally truthful God. And I believe that God has called us to be both grace givers and truth tellers. To, on on the one hand, be able to to delineate the dynamic truth of the Word of God. To be able to tell it so clearly that people understand that God's ways are not our ways. That God's standards are not our standards. But at the same time, moving into people's lives with the grace of God and accepting them just the way they are. One of my heroes is the, of the faith is a man by the name of Ed Dobson who, for those of you who are my age and older, remember the moral majority back in the Reagan years. They were a truth-telling group that particularly emphasized the, the horrendous plague in our country of abortion and some of the other issues. Ed Dobson was the, one of the founders of the moral majority. Ed Dobson left the moral majority because he began to re, as he see as he read the Scriptures and interacted with people, it took more than just telling the truth. Ed Dobson went to Calvary Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where he became the pastor. Now, get Ed Dobson's not the guy that's in Colorado Springs, you know, the focus on the family. This is a, not even related. Okay, Ed, Ed At Calvary Church never once changed his clear communication of the truth of the Word of God, but he led the church into ministries where they brought the grace of God into the community. For example, under his leadership, the church identified where the hospice ministry in the community was to those who are dying of AIDS. Unfortunately, that's a group of people that most evangelicals just avoid. People who are dying of AIDS because most of the time it's related to sinful activity. But he led his church into finding those hospice ministries. People got trained and they literally populated the hospice ministry to people dying of AIDS. And at one point in time, a few years ago, there was a big write-up in the Grand Rapids, Michigan paper that Ed Dobson was the most sought-after pastor in the gay community for those who died of AIDS when they died. He did more funerals than any other pastor in the community for those who died from AIDS. And not once did he have to stop telling the truth the truth that I believe the Word of God says, that he believed the Word of God says, that marriage and sexual relationship is to be confined— marriage is to be confined between a man and a woman, and a sexual relationship is to be confined to a man and a woman within marriage. He never stopped telling that truth, but at the same time, he reached out, and his congregation reached out with grace. And cared about people, loved them, even though they knew what they were up to or had been up to. Contrast that very quickly with a man that I knew when I was pastoring, a man who actually became an elder in our church, and then he took his whole family out of the church because the pastor, in his assessment, would not preach hard enough against certain kinds of sins wasn't that I didn't preach against sin. I, he wanted, you know, a regular diet of going after certain kinds of sins. And so they pulled their kids out of our youth group. They pulled our kid, their, their family out of the church. Their oldest son had just gotten involved in the life of our student ministries because our student ministries pastor worked so hard to get him out involved. Those are the tough ones, aren't they? And I, we pra- our student ministries pastor and I practically begged him to, to not take him away because he'd worked for a couple of years to get this kid involved. Probably, oh, 10, 15 years later, I was sitting in my office in Minneapolis and I got a phone call. My assistant told, said, So and so's on the line. Do you want to talk to him? And it was this father. And I thought, wonder why he's calling me. Last time I talked to him, he didn't think too much of me. And uh, I got on the phone and he said, Hi, Pastor Bill, Uh, would you do my son's funeral? And I said, What happened? And he named the boy. I said, What happened? I said, did he have terminal cancer? Or you know, I picked I thought of all the things I could think of, car accident, or whatever. He said, No, he's he's still alive, but he's dying of AIDS. And then he said this phrase that I'll never or sentence I'll never forget, and you know how he got it. And he didn't say it with much grace. Well, make a long, long story short, I got back involved in that family's life because of this boy's who was now probably his thirties, but I considered him a boy. His son, got back involved in that family's life, particularly that young man's life, and watched him fade away to nothing. There's nothing more horrible to watch. I watched cancer victims die, I watched everything. AIDS is a horrible death. I watched this young man gloriously come back to Jesus Christ and love Jesus. Look forward. He knew he was dying, looking forward to dying. One day I was called to the hospital because uh, he was near death. They thought he actually died some months later, but they thought this was the time and they said, if you want to say goodbye to him, you better come. I went down there and I went to intensive care and I was standing next to the bed and his brother, who was much like his dad, was on the other side of the bed and his brother was standing like this. He wouldn't dare touch his brother. I put my arm around him. We talked. I watched the monitor. I heard the death rattle in his chest. I knew it was not too far away. And then I said, can I pray? You need to talk to your parents. I'm going to say goodbye, probably our last goodbye. He said, I know, but he said, don't worry about me, Pastor. I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to see Grandma. Jesus has cleansed me of all the stuff I got involved in. I prayed with him and for some reason I opened my eyes while I was praying and while I when I opened my eyes I saw that because I was holding him in my arms and holding his hand I looked up and I saw that there was a hand on the other hand and I raised my eyes and there were tears break, just flowing down his brother's cheeks Their relationship was healed in that moment Then I walked out and said to his mom and dad, I think you need to spend some time with your son. And his dad went in and while he went in, he stuck the Wall Street Journal under his arm and he went in and I listened through the curtain for a few minutes. Not a lot of intimacy in the conversation. And after a very short time, he said to his son, well, you must be tired. Why don't you take a nap? I've got some things I've got to do. And he left. You see, Dad could never get past the truth and extend grace. Nobody asked him to stop believing the truth. God was asking him to love and care for his son. I played football. I wanted to be a football coach. God called me into the pastorate. I wanted a son who would follow me and play football. God gave me two daughters who I love to pieces. Now i got two son-in-laws and two grandsons. Maybe one of these other ones is going to be a grandson. But I'll tell you this. Between the hospital and back to my office, God and I had an argument. Because I said, God, how can you do that? Give a... A young man like that to somebody who can't, even when he fails, extend grace. God, that's not you. You see, what the world needs to see is that the church is for everybody. What the world needs to see is that we're fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. What the world needs to see is that not only we talk about the love of Jesus, we give the love of Jesus away. What the world needs to see, church, is that not only do we tell the truth, we extend grace. And we go to people not on our conditions, but their conditions. And then when we're that way, we put on display the manifold wisdom of God, because that's God. Amen? Amen? Father, thanks. Thanks for what you're teaching me and teaching us, and thank you for the church, that which you've created to put yourself on display.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcevfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is... Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 6515 South Lion Lane, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.